0: For episode 19 this week, we have a discussion, titled, The Poor Help the Rich, Not the Other Way Around. For this week's discussion, I'd like to talk about wealth, specifically different political systems and their connection to wealth. The most annoying thing possible is when rich people say, rather proudly, that they have a choice to help the poor or not. The very cosmic fortune that even puts one person in front of another in this sort of structure is outrageous. I also don't believe the rich help the poor. I believe the poor help the rich. I try to live my life acknowledging that the poor help the rich more than the rich help the poor. And my view of this often gets scoffed at whenever I propose this to a rich person, often a friend. The decision to operate as participants in capitalism is actually an act of charity on the poor's part to help the rich out. Being poor and living in capitalism is not a pleasurable experience and there's plenty of world out there to check out and leave our society if they want. <laughs> the poor could just collaborate and make a poorville somewhere but you know, there's a lot of pleasures here with our gadgets and TVs and drive-through food and all that. But really, participating on the bottom floor of capitalism is not a joy, it's a decision. And sticking around to help the rich out is charity on the poorest part. In terms of being rich, being able to pay for something does not remove the welfare you are receiving. In their handout, the poor's handout to you in terms of time and effort. If the world were suddenly flipped so that the most poor were the most powerful suddenly, I try to live by a code of behavior. That would not mean my head would be placed on a pole for acting like I was somewhat superior at any time in my life due to numbers in a bank account. Capitalism is a very old idea, incidentally. When people talk to me about capitalism, I like to point out that other ideas from that era have certainly evolved. For example, we uh, didn't bathe very much in the 1600s, and capitalism was born in the 1600s. It's actually older than socialism. Socialism and Marxism were developed as a reaction against sort of the growing unbalance of capitalism but capitalism actually is an old idea. It was uh, started in around the 1600s and people did not bathe very much in the 1600s. We realized that was a bad idea. For example, Louis XIV of France is probably a terrific example of wealth and leadership in the 1600s. By stamina alone, he lasted longer than any king on record in Europe, 72 years as king. I think he died when he was 76, so he jumped into the job pretty early, too. You gotta say, uh, nice job, Louis. Or is it Louie? Probably Louie. Nice job, Louie. You worked hard for that record, and you deserve your money. Because you didn't inherit it at all. King Louis worked up right there from age, uh, age one through four. Did uh, a lot of hard work and got given, uh, the job of king at, uh, age four. And was so exceptional at it that not a single person in France could top him. Just because of his own abilities and really hard work. Hard work, uh, that was uh, whenever anybody would ask uh, Louis 14th how'd you get here? And he would say, nobody else's efforts, all me. Very, very hard work. And he's a model for all capitalists, really. Now, Louis XIV was also famously phobic of water. Like most uh, wealthy people, Jeff Bezos is also famously phobic of water. That part I'm making up, but I don't know. I mean, he's trying to get so far away from everybody in terms of distancing himself by wealth. Talk about social distancing. Due to COVID, please make a trillion dollars (laughs) so that no humans can even come near you. Uh, So Jeff Bezos, maybe, is kind of like Louis XIV, famously phobic of water. Mental health issues like superstitions are more common amongst the wealthy and powerful, incidentally, than they are amongst the healthier and happier poor. Uh, For the most part, I'm pretty happy, you know, and I think that's because I'm not totally super wealthy, too. But let's get back to King Louis XIV. He was famously phobic of water. So, I might ask you, how many baths did Louis XIV take in his lifetime? How many do you think he took in a month? I would say the answer is zero. He took zero baths a month. How many baths do you think Louis took a year? How many baths? For most of mostly that answer would be zero. How many baths do you think Louis XIV took in a decade? Most decades that would be zero. Again, and how many in his lifetime? Here is the fun punchline: Two. Louis the Fourteenth took two baths. Some say that he took three baths, but it doesn't ever exceed that. So, if he died when he was 76, that was one bath every 38 years. Of course, bathing in a full tub of water did not really exist in the 1600s, and that included royalty. But since capitalism is as old as those theories about bathwater poison, maybe we should consider retiring capitalism. Uh, Doctors at the time thought baths could open the skin's pores up for disease to enter. And so bathing was not common. Of Louis XIV's two dips, Louis XIV was forced to take one bath very late in life as a doctor that might help deal with some tremors and neurological tension that Louis was dealing with. Because again, he owned so much more than the rest of the world, he probably was flipping out. Everybody wants to kill the king. And so the wealthier you are, the more phobic you might still be of bathing. I don't know if Jeffrey Epstein needed that island to possibly cover his smelly pores. With some humor, this might be the origin of the phrase filthy rich, or an even funnier pun, high-ranking wealth. (laughs) Man, have you seen that guy's wealth? That guy ranks. You can't even approach him. It speaks to the vulnerable mindset of our wealthiest humans, and that's why the poor need to protect them. As I uh, mentioned about speculating the exact number of baths, some speculate that Louis XIV might have taken three baths, not two. But I feel like that extra plus one is likely more flattery to the rich. Oh, Louis, you're such a brilliant king. You've had three baths. What they say about you having two baths is totally wrong. How could somebody so brilliant as you, Louis? Take only two. You're a three bath guy. Just thinking about nobody taking a bath in the sixteen hundreds. I find the historic fact that very few people really took baths in the sixteen hundreds is largely avoided in romantic films of the era. I would love to see Kate Blanchett just covered in oil and stink, you know, for the method she would stop bathing for seven years for a part. What's it like to never bathe, incidentally? My promise to you is that every time you hear this show, in between shows, I've bathed at least uh, five times in a week. Probably seven uh, in between shows. And um, during this Texas heat where it's 100 real degrees every day, I'm probably taking 10 baths or 10 showers I um, I don't bathe. I don't bathe. I take probably like four baths a year. But I certainly shower and I've taken at least uh, You know, one or two every day. You walk outside, you get immediately baked, and come inside and you gotta take a shower. Texas. But without a bath your entire life, humans must have been incredibly greasy back then. You know, we must have sounded like fast-paced snails when we walked. I just can't, I think of all the places. I think of all the places uh, right now as a human, being raised around soap and hot water. There aren't many places that I secrete weird oils, but, you know, every once in a while, like, some odd oil will show up somewhere. Like, uh, I got some oil behind my ear once. It's so, like, where'd that show up? And I'm not a greasy guy. It, uh, amuses me to think of just how oily and, you know, I can't even do the sounds. I don't mean to, uh, make a noise of greasy, snaily humans walking around. I mean, uh, COVID has offered a lot of opportunities to test oneself on bathing and I don't think I've made it into three days without a shower and that's been by accident, like I just sort of lost track of time, but my body would sort of tell me, hey, you're, uh, you're frightening us, uh, take a shower. And so, let alone 50 or 60 years without a bath, I wonder what happens to human skin and hair if, it never, it's a, if it's never cleaned with more than a hairbrush or some powder dropped on a wig. This is definitely something missing from paintings depicting that era. Some film missed opportunities when Bill and Ted sat back into the Middle Ages. It would have been lovely for them to scream, Dude, it smells gnarly. I'm not going to do a Bill and Ted impression. But if they just screamed about, Man, the, the Middle Ages smell gnarly. And this would actually have been a great scene in the end of the film because they would just faint and die from the odor and the movie would cut to the credits. One important point to point out here, the poor, however, were less gnarly. Gnarly. I can't imagine. I can't remember the last time I ever used the word gnarly, but the poor, were less gnarly smelling than the rich. Uh, They would have been rained on much more often due to being outside working and are said to also have bathed more frequently by accident because they'd get impossibly dirty from actual dirt, dust, and debris. So it would be a sign of being poor by not having the collected, accumulated wealth grease on your body the poor were so poor they had to take a bath poor guys and their clothes would actually wear out due to use so you get new wall outfits and other clothing that wouldn't have 70 years of stink on them so that's kind of funny you know we talk about how in the, uh, the age of beauty it used to be um, people of different weight than now to imply sort of a luxurious lifestyle actually the more you bathed the the worse you appeared. So it's it's very much like a bizarro time, in the 1600s. You know, I don't like that guy. He's uh, really clean and doesn't stink. And you know, he's also hanging out with a bunch of Vikings. And the reason why I say this is a funny side comment is that Vikings started to expand into the west around this time, and they were known to be fastidiously clean. So it's amusing to consider these vikings, these brutes with their big monstrous tendencies of ripping off the heads of whales. Just, uh, I don't know if they actually did that, but I'm just imagining vikings doing something monstrously, uh, caveman like that, and actually smelled amazing. I imagine women and men who had sexual experiences with vikings at the time in the middle ages probably noticed they didn't smell at all. Wow. And the Vikings were probably like, what's with these middle Age Europeans? That would be funny if they just call them the middle Age. During the middle-ages, I mean. What's up with these Europeans? They really, really smell atrocious, and I've been around fish. In terms of Vikings not having a smell, can you imagine being so surrounded by smell that the absence of smell is actually what is noticeable? I would hate to be a Viking and deal with Western culture. That had to be extremely foul especially when western culture viewed them as the the uh the mongrels or the brutes or the neanderthals so the 1600s are an interesting time when the tendencies or preference of the rich actually meant people be stinkier the cleaner you were the obviously less classy you were you weren't like a fancy king who would have gotten through life with only one bath had a doctor not insisted that he take a second one because his brain was literally causing so many tremors and uh, freakouts. So he had a medically prescribed bath. Don't be like the poor. You can barely smell him. In fact, uh, I think if you look up Louis XIV, there is a little bit about his history with perfumes that's very funny, probably connected to the fact that he was unapproachably smelly. And, you know, when you think about literature or whatever of that time, depictions of Don Quixote seem to miss the humor opportunity about how smelly the whole story must have been. There's a funny opportunity there to have stink lines from Don Quixote as he runs away at those uh, imaginary windmills. Or maybe Don Quixote himself was the only one who bathed and he just jumped on his horse and uh pointed to imaginary things and said i got to get away from just to get away from insanely toxic smelling humans if i was surrounded by thousands of others who had not bathed in decades i would probably imagine gigantic imaginary fans or windmills to move around in the air to move the air around and i would run right at them screaming you know Windmills probably weren't the best at pushing smell away, but you'll take what you can get when you're Don Quixote. So that was the era in which capitalism was formed. The Merchant Movement, I think, is what it was called. So, 400 years later, it seems capitalism should be a dying old concept. And it is a dying old concept. Socialism, in a non-dictator sense, is a newer one that allows you to be a capitalist, but for some reason we can't adopt it as an idea, even though we sort of do, by having government services. But people who are terribly phobic of socialism call it communism. And for this conversation, I'll embrace communism. Just to keep that from being the accusation at the end of this, I will talk about communism and not socialism so i'm not a communist far from it and i suppose if you consider this show a collection of electronics it's really a collection of acquisitions and you could say i'm a materialist certainly i certainly browse electronic equipment all the time i don't mind getting new stuff i don't mind things but you can be critical of the environment by which these things are able to be acquired and be critical of the country It's just like the best patriots are people who are actually critical of the country. It's patriotic to say the country is broken and it has some flawed history. You love it so much you would like it to improve. And capitalism is very flawed. And I think it's time is done. I've offered in a previous episode that we should just get rid of money because all the money has already been made. And if we pooled into a common bank account, No one would ever have a need for any of it. We would just buy things with the shared money that all the... Because the rich have already done the job to make all the money. Capitalism never intended anyone to have as much money as as people have. It's, uh, It's sort of like the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment did not anticipate machine guns in every truck. And capitalism never expected you to be wealthier. Than a king it's as old as the 1600s and it's said at the time to really develop into an idea during great inequality it was the rise of the merchant class that brought about capitalism and that's super nice I love merchants and I have been a merchant and you can support the show by buying some albums on eptc.bancamp.com. that's one of my digital merchant sites I'll take your money Very thankfully, I like to support other merchants, especially local ones or people who do unique, small things across the country or world. But capitalism is literally murdering people this year. It's not an exaggeration. People in America are rioting over a need to keep their businesses open, and these are largely useless businesses. You know, this isn't out of a love for providing haircuts. This is survival, because if they don't keep on offering the haircut, they will die from not having money. And if the government had decided to take a trillion dollars out, like Reagan did nearly every year for the Cold War, if we treated this like the Cold War, And just paid people not to work. That would have been one way to get through this. But that would have been socialism probably. And people are dying now. Because it's up to them to keep the money flowing. I think it took a month or two. Before capitalism snapped. So now is a good time to reevaluate. A 400 year old idea like capitalism. And. When you think about ideas evolving in conversation, it is, uh, I think, surprising to some people to realize that capitalism is older than communism, that communism is the new idea. And I'm not a communist, but I don't think Marx was terrible. Stalin is disturbing, very repulsive, but so is Trump. The news of Trump starting to set up a really horrifying program of... (coughs) monitoring and abducting protesters is very disturbing look up an esquire article titled the authoritarian operation in portland you might have already had somebody share it with you it's getting pretty intense and that's some stalin shit of course trump is a capitalist not a communist so uh he would never do communist shit big difference there he would only uh, make america great America's greatness right now with capitalism is killing hundreds and thousands of people a week. Many of those people, I'm certain, had to go into a job or interacted with somebody who had to go into a job. But even before this, you know, going back to the 40s or even farther, I think capitalism can handle the feedback that it is unkind. The unfairness of capitalism is sort of the point. Otherwise it would be socialism or something else. It's designed to distance you from other people. The better you do at capitalism, the less contact you have with the world, but under a capitalist system it's a high score. So I've observed these past five months that capitalism is much more weak-kneed and flimsy than communism. Could communism fail in a month? No, but capitalism nearly did. And it barely made three months before the country cried uncle and opened up. And now we are the worst country in the planet in terms of this stuff. So millions of people are suicidally pushing themselves out of their homes every day and night right now when the risk of death has not lessened one centimeter since January. It's not like we've developed a tolerance for this disease, or that it's even slowed down. But our attention span is like, well, it's got to be safer now, right? And then even steps to make it safer are fought. So we can't even be pragmatic about our safety. So not only are we capitalists, but we're also stupid. The merchant class of the 1600s would not be impressed with us. Louis XIV probably would look at us and go, I bet you guys bathe even. You would look at us like a bunch of dumb bathers. But the bigger point of comparing capitalism to communism is I don't think communism would force you back to the factory during this. Because it needs its workers more than capitalism needs its workers. My guess is that communism in like a heavy Stalin era would just shut the damn things down. They might lock your door so you couldn't leave, but they wouldn't force you to come into work. Because they need their workers. Capitalism does not. If all the American workers die, capitalism will get more workers from some other part of the world. And if COVID completely kills off everybody except for the wealthiest, they'll just automate it. I'm not saying communism is not a horror, by the way. It's very well documented that communism is a horror of abuse and murder. Nor am I saying I like it over my very comfortable capitalism life. Communism is brutal and very horrifying for individuals. But communism didn't begin to crumble in five weeks from a break in service, and capitalism sure as hell did. We gotta rethink it. I don't know really of any communist system, communityist system, I guess if you want to break down what communist means, that has existed without a dictator. Now that Trump is making democracy into an attempted dictatorship, maybe socialism or even communism should be considered as a non-dictating concept. I guess that's socialism. But again, in terms of money, I like it. I like getting money. I like stuff. You can enjoy money, spend and receive gobs of it, and be critical of its uneven distribution. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. If anything, it makes you thankful and a little responsible. The wealthier you become, the easier it can be to see just how unbalanced this capitalist state is one might say if capitalism has been kind to you or that you've succeeded in it why would you want to ever be critical of it and I don't think having money and being critical of it are two separate things if a system has deep flaws that should be criticized you should criticize it let's say capitalism was built on shooting another person in the face every time you made a dollar. If you had six thousand dollars, that would be six thousand people that died. It might be worth it to think like, huh, you know, I really love these six thousand dollars, but I wonder about those other people. That's uh, sympathetic capitalism right there. And I'm sorry about having to be so severe there with an example, because a lot of people feel very unsympathetic to the just more basic ones of they can't afford getting sick or they're one paycheck away from being homeless permanently other things that's a dead air argument because apparently anybody who's homeless has a drug problem according to very wealthy people while they sip brandy cocktails of vicodin and uh, Ambien and cocaine Bastards! I can't stand. I can't stand uh, when the rich uh, criticize the poor. It's one thing to try not to see them. It's another thing to put yourself up as being any more resilient than they are. They are surviving. They are surviving for every fucking day of their life. You never have to survive if you're wealthy. You never have to survive. And in fact, the taxes just are getting softer and softer for you. So you just get wealthier and wealthier. I've often thought that like, it should just cut it off at 100 or 500 million a person. And then just give it fucking back. But you'll find me ranting about that. I can't stand it. A lot of people say, you know, well, what about philanthropy? That's uh, really what the rich do to really do amazing gestures to give us back. They uh, buy buildings and they put their name on it. Isn't that incredible? You know how many buildings I pass that I don't know the name of or somebody to thank for? You know, people who put money on the giving they do just is so tacky. And if I had more money, I do have my fantasies of helping people in more fantastic ways. I think our giving hovers around 10%. Not a huge percentage and probably even less than that but I'd also welcome a lot more direct taxation, so it wasn't even up to me. A huge flaw in our current system is how little the government takes from the wealthiest. It's ridiculous that the government leaves this up to the individual, and that words like philanthropy even exist. We all don't want to control wealth because somehow we ourselves individually might one day have wealth. So we don't want to ever say nobody can become a trillionaire or a billionaire or even a 500 millionaire. But capping all wealth at a 100 or 500 million, you know, level and allowing you to still exist and live in America is something they could have figured out. Because we're a democracy, not a capitalist democracy. America is a constantly evolving, open Uh, document, fluid document, and money is turning that around back to a, you know, feudal state. It's turning it back into, you know, we do that with celebrities and with the wealth. We say that we established America to get away from the king, and, you know, taxation without representation is all we have now. (laughs) I would love my taxes to actually be a fill-in-the-blank card, hey, you're uh, giving me some, you're putting forth so much of your income, what would you like your income to care about? And for that, you know, the computing to algorithmically determine that would be great, and that just would be what representation focuses on, not some egotistical asshole who had to raise millions of dollars to become a representative senator or whatever, of which you don't even need a GED to become. Not that not having a high school diploma means that you're stupid. Some of the smartest people in the world, you know, did not have a high school diploma, but it's also a good metric for determining if uh, somebody should be on a housing committee or something <laughs> on the representatives. I would, that, that's where education would be helpful, and you don't have an education requirement to run for Congress. If we went back to the old pre-Nixon or whatever tax rate, For the wealthy, which was a huge percentage, no one would need to be philanthropic. The better parts of the country are crumbling because the real support needed in society is not happening. The government needs to tax and chop money from the wealthiest and recycle it back into the world. The best parts of the country are crumbling because this is not occurring. A funny argument... That I've heard from others is uh, viewing people who care about this as being liberal. And liberals in general might criticize greed for not helping the world, but they would still hoard their own wealth. And that's partly true. You know, there are some very wealthy liberals. You know, liberals are, I consider myself a liberal, but I don't consider myself part of that group. I don't think it's a diss. It just sort of means really nice, open minded person, really nice, open minded person. And then the other uh, qualifier would be the wealthy conservatives. You know, those are the two terms we get, liberals and conservatives. So wealthy conservatives, however, they consider their understanding of wealth to be more sophisticated. Typically, the conservative and conservative need deals with just keeping the money you have. That's how the conservative movement, or the Goldwater, idea really got a claw in America. And so conservatives don't criticize people who do not help the poor. That's how they define themselves. They don't criticize people who do not help the poor. Liberals want to help the poor more. Wealthy conservatives, however, consider themselves more sophisticated. Uh, They're more about liberty, individual liberty, and they don't criticize people if those people do not help the poor because they're those people. And to ask a very clear question on a day to day, I think it's the other way around. The poor help the rich. In what way does the rich get helped by the poor? The rich wouldn't survive a week without the poor's help keeping them alive. If you're able to hear this show with any source of electricity in your home or even through battery power, that you yourself did not crank with a turbine you need to look at the reality of others supporting you all around you for everything. The water you're drinking is soluble and bathable even. Uh, hail Caesar. Uh, it's uh, You can take a bath now because of many poor people's efforts to keep you alive. Or um, digging that plumbing for you. Thank you poor person for your charity. Keeping that going. I consider myself the direct sum of millions of people's efforts. We all are. I'm sorry I just said even poor person, I'm just trying to make a distinction. Thank you individual for keeping the water clean. So the funniest idea I find is that rich people proudly say they choose not to help the poor. And that is so laughable because a rich person wouldn't survive a week without all the poor people doing everything to keep them going. Everybody's existence is because of millions of other people kicking in to keep us alive. All of them have experiences that started as a child, just like you, helpless, and the first two decades were predetermined for them and for you by who their parents were, whether or not those parents were there, whether or not those parents survived, and what part of the planet you were docked in. So the rich never are helped by the poor. Do you drive on a road? A poor person paved that road for you. Do you drink water? Some poor guy helped maintain that water. Do you wear clothing? Don't even look that up. Don't even look up how clothing is made. It'll break your heart. If you're wealthy and you have anything that you didn't make, don't feed me any bullshit that you don't receive charity of their efforts. The poor are helping you, not the other way around, and be a fucking adult and appreciate it. Having the money to buy something doesn't reduce the sum effort of millions of others doing something for you first. Believe me, if the poor decided to stop helping the rich, this world would become a shit show in under a week. Maybe we'll see that in the next year, when money is made insolvent. And All these wealthy people have to walk around with signs Asking if we can spare some kindness It could be a decision by the poor Just to establish an economy Where they trade their services back and forth With no money You know, just based on your kindness as a person And your ability to give them a service Or a gesture or a help I would love to see a wealthy person Suddenly be dropped into this world Where the rest of the economy decides to actually no longer work with them and to establish a no money all exchange world it's just a thought experiment doesn't mean to happen (laughs) but they'd be without anything maybe that'll happen next year maybe uh, a couple years from now money will be removed and it'll be based on who you are as a person that allows you to survive or have things of any value I get pretty tired of wealthy people not appreciating their absolute lottery win. If you have any money or any wealth, it is a comedy to think that you weren't any more likely to have been poor. Wealth disparity is a huge problem. Let's say in some cosmic comedy, just like some 1980s movie, boom, you wake up and you are poor. Wealth disparity would probably become a huge problem to you if you are a wealthy person with the power to motivate congress to do something this likelihood that you might wake up with nothing one day is protecting your ass as much as it is helping the poor and it wouldn't take any money from you just to establish a couple social system protective nets you know i mean it's not like these changes would cost anything less than the nuclear war buildup or other things that that we've done out of narcissism in the 80s on up if we stop a couple of wars going we have all the money stuff like that and the likelihood that all poor people might not be able to become rich but all rich people might become poor once you're wealthy you, uh, you do a little bit to protect your own ass by setting up some social net systems that might be able to catch you. I don't think that if you're wealthy, it's because you're more capable of things. I think you might think you're more capable of things. You might be like, well, I'm a success. I did it. Having money or even doing something that makes money or more money, you know, I mean, there's lots of jobs that are extremely difficult. Being the editor of a newspaper is an extremely difficult job. And most newspapers don't pay anything. You gotta fucking be that good at editing and structure and daily reading. Imagine reading a fucking paper every day and correcting it every day and asking questions of reporters as to whether or not this is verified or this is covered or, God Almighty, avoiding a typo. People love to find typos in newspapers. My grandmother used to circle them with pens and send them into the paper. (laughs) I love my grandmother. She would be so happy when she found a typo in a a newspaper. But let's imagine the newspaper editor. editor Editor-in-chief. You have to be really good at that, and that's not going to get you rich. You know... You have to really love that job, but you could apply one-eighth of that intelligence into being a money manager and make a trillion bucks, you know? So it's not like effort has anything to do, or ability has anything to do with being rich. It's just you focus on just that. You've, you, I'm not going to live. I'm going to get wealth. It's not like money is somehow some metric for have someone having more intelligence. My poorest friends can take apart their own car and put it back together. My wealthiest friends call a locksmith when they can't find their keys. And if their car breaks, they buy a new one. Uh, Of course, the reply to this is, uh, well, you know, the poor are paid for their efforts. For example, the guy paving the road that you used as an example there didn't build the roads because they were doing me a favor. You could say that they were being paid and that's the rich man's reply that I love they paid them so there's no inequality there it's not charity on the poorest part to do the work for you you know you have paid them it's a top-down not a bottom-up they didn't do you a favor you did them you gave them the work the person that was paving the road was paid you tipped the waiter The laundry worker got a check from you. None of this is a favor on their part to do those jobs to you. And that's one of the problems of having a lot of wealth is that you actually view yourself as a participant in the process. You are providing the money. But if you just look at the service, how would an alien life form view it? The unable human walks up to some more able human and asks or begs requests assistance because they cannot do something and the more able human goes and does it in the alien life form perception of this how is this uh not perceived that the more ailing human the rich person is with is in need of help why are these people unable to make their own food why do they need to go and ask other people to make their food for them why can't they clean their own clothes why you know The poor are doing you a lot of work. Uh, Our road work, can you imagine, without the professional road work maker? It would be the bumpiest and laziest shitty road in the world if you and I worked on it. And, you know, it would take us months to even figure out how to turn on the equipment. It'd be hilarious to see what kind of road we would make without the poor road worker. uh, They might make a decent construction wage, but just... Just in terms of experience, being outside in the hot sun pouring a road is very, very tough work, no matter how much you're paid. If you don't have to be one of these road workers, what's to accept that you have it better by chance and pure fortune? Or is anyone here implying that we work harder than a road paver? Show me an example of any work any of us have done that matches manual labor. Or if you're a manual labor individual, thank you because I can't match any real physical effort in terms of my days. The more capable among us should be the ones that lead us. The wealthier are useful, but they shouldn't run the planet because they don't even have an appreciation on how it was made. Life feels better when you empathize and consider these shifts in roles. It has nothing to do with wealth, but it might have something to do with personal awareness responsibility, or on a deeper level of happiness, consciousness.